0: This week's show brought to you by Ducks Unlimited, an organization that I've been plugged into for, gosh, over 15 years now. From the Alaskan wilderness to the Atlantic Flyway, across America's Great Plains, and down the Mississippi Delta, Ducks Unlimited has been leading the way in wetlands conservation since 1937. The DU family has ensured the protection of over 16 million acres of waterfowl habitat. Think about that. So come join us. You too can carry on DU's conservation legacy. Visit ducks.org to find your local event and join our volunteer team, Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation. This week's podcast also brought to you by Kent Cartridge and the hard-hitting Fast Steel Plus, the latest in Kent's long-standing lineup of waterfowl innovation when it comes to shot shells. Do your four-legged friend a favor and ditch the cripples by picking up a box of Fast Steel Plus available at your local retailer. Why do I write songs? Why can't my heart should its
1: man Why can't I move on and give a fair chance to
0: someone new? Why can't I fall out and love? Howdy, 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 Cable Smith. Welcoming everybody into episode 712 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So thanks for being here. Um, We've got a good show, a great show lined up for you. And I'll tell you all about it in just a second. But first, it's finally that time. You know, I hate, absolutely hate. I tell my kids I don't say that word anymore. So working on that. Don't want to say the word hate. I strongly dislike when hunting season comes to an end. But there is that silver lining, because your eyes are weary, your body is tired, and it's time to catch up on a little shut-eye. February is about the only month of the year where that's really true, because once March gets here, well, then we're off and running in turkey season again. Um, I say that, I actually just signed up for the uh, Wise County Hog Contest, <laughs> so, oh, Aaron's going to kill me, but uh, yeah, we'll be out. Chasing hogs during February, it looks like, with the thermals. Uh, But for real, I would say February is the month where it's like there's finally this lull. And some of it is like, yeah, you're running on fumes already. You're weary. Um, But we did close out duck season in grand fashion. I went down to the Texas coast and hunted on the uh, legendary Pipkin Ranch. It's like a 28,000-acre working cattle ranch. And much of it used to be, you know, covered in rice production that's since gone. Uh, it's just cows now. But, um, man, the history of this place is amazing. The, the stories that that lodge could tell, man, oh, man. Uh, but my buddy Ryan Warhola invited us down there, and we were looking at this book. And I have this book here in the office. They have a copy of it in the lodge, and he was showing me uh, where the Pipkin Ranch is talked about in a hundred years of texas waterfowl hunting the decoys guides clubs and places 1870s to 1970s it's by rk sawyer who we had on the show when he released this book back in Golly, it was like 2012 um but this section here is called day hunting ranches and guides Uh, and just a brief mention of the pipkin but uh, says alternatives to joining private clubs included guided hunts and day hunting ranches. Beaumont's S.W. Steve Pipkin opened the ranch to the public in the late 1920s, and it remained in business for more than 50 years. By the 50s, hunting was run by John and Bruce Pipkin, and in the 60s by Mickey Winters and local guides Albert Schmidtkey and Bruce Goats. They provided decoys, blinds, and airboat transport to and from the blinds for a fee of seven dollars and fifty cents per hunter in the 1970s isn't that amazing seven dollars and fifty cents for a duck hunt <laughs> well things have changed and uh now that that the ranch is now a, a corporate lease and so very uh, gracious of ryan to invite me down and uh, our winner, we gave away a hunt through SCI, uh, Ben Herbs and his buddy Chris. They joined us, and then uh, they had to take off. And so my brother and lifelong friend came down for the last day. And the hunting was terrible, I'm not going to lie. It was really, really bad. Uh, I think we shot one duck the first day, and we increased that by 100% on day two. We shot one pintail and one gadwall. I think uh, the first day it was a blue-winged teal, which was cool because we don't get fully uh, plumed out blue teal in North Texas where I where I typically hunt when they come through their drab and, you know, if you've got their preseason uniforms on. Um, but this thing was a beautiful drake. And then the pintail on Sunday was uh, an absolute hammer too. Just a beautiful bull sprig. Um, but they got so much rain down there on the coast the past week that – what was great hunting turned into just, I mean, the ducks were so scattered. All of the um, pastures typically just set aside for grazing were flooded. And so the ducks, and we saw lots of ducks, but they were so spread out that it was just, uh, the last day of the season, (laughs) there were three groups out and we led the way with two birds. One group got one and then the third group took a zero, an absolute skunking. So just to give you an idea, that was a long drive of 10 hour round trip for three birds, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Such a cool place. Uh, the camaraderie and the blind, the jokes, the smiles, the laughs, you know, you know how it is. If you're a duck hunter, that's uh, that's the way it goes. Sometimes the weather can absolutely screw it up for you. And it did for us, but, um, yeah, what a cool place to uh, to get to experience firsthand. And check out that book, 100 Years of Texas Waterfowl Hunting, if you haven't already, by R- R.K. Sawyer. It's good stuff. Uh, what are we doing today? Let me tell you. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire here. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley thermos. Man, Stanley thermoses are like the end thing. I saw people are like stealing them by the hundreds these days. Crazy. But uh, mine's still a beat-up old one. I think my wife has one of those swanky new ones. I just kind of laugh at that. prefer Granddaddy's beat-up one uh, with the uh, mud still caked on it from duck seasons that have long come and gone. But joining us for the duration of today's show, Naomi Hirsch. She is the Associate Director of Communications for Sportsmen's Alliance, one of my favorite organizations. And we're going to head up to Colorado get into this hound hunting thing and, uh you know, they're going to put mountain lion hunting on the ballot to try to ban it come November. But just last week, they took away the April hound hunting season for bobcats and mountain lions. Why did they do that? Because it's a terrible, terrible look and the timing could not be worse, frankly. I mean, the antis are celebrating this as some huge victory. Maybe it is, Uh, but it certainly looks that way. So why would Colorado Parks and Wildlife do away with that season? If they're pro-hunting, which I believe that they still are as far as the biologists know, the commission, that might be another story, Um, but why would they do that? Because I was fighting pissed when I heard about that. I mean, it made me super angry. Uh, So Naomi will be here to try to talk us off the ledge. How could they afford to let that happen? In this 2024 election year when the antis are trying to completely take away all mountain lion hunting in Colorado. So we will get down to the nitty gritty of that entire situation. We'll talk some uh, hound hunting, things that we've seen dogs do that are just absolutely amazing. Those once in a lifetime dogs. Um, But uh, yeah, she runs hounds and has a family tradition of doing so. Uh, so looking forward to having Naomi join us here for today's presentation. Um, let's do a quick giveaway. How about, how about a membership to Sportsman's Alliance? And I'm going to, I'm going to get Brian Lynn, our buddy uh, VP over there to uh, throw in a cap and t-shirt, one of their Hunter huntervationist t-shirts. Those things are pretty cool because we all know that hunting and conservation are forever intertwined. Uh, despite what the antis want to claim. Uh, but yeah, it is the Sportsmen's Alliance giveaway package today. And all you need to do is just email the word, let's just say Cougar, that's Cougar, to lone star outdoorshow at com, And uh, you could win that free membership to what I believe to be one of the best organizations out there at defending our rights as sportsmen and women. So. Uh, shoot me an email lonestaroutdoorshow at gmail.com and we'll get you entered let's take a break up next naomi hirsch of sportsmen's alliance joins us right here on the lone star outdoors show i made a spanish
1: angel cry when i said goodbye she said please don't go i should have never left mexico
0: The wind, it always blows Turbines keep rolling round That's the sound of money I look up at them, they're beautifully surreal Spinning round with the humming sound Watch them go Songbird Jones bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by today as uh, we are all set to head to Colorado and check in with Naomi Hirsch of Sportsman's Alliance. First, though, this segment is brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. And, uh, you know, (laughs) my buddy Ryan, who invited us down for that duck hunt, on the coast, they don't even wear like insulated waders because temperatures are usually in the 60s when they're duck hunting. It's like the tropical thing. Uh, but it was cold. It was like 41 degrees on Sunday, and he's wearing fly fishing waders and uh, and boots. You know, like Sims fishing boots. <laughs> he was freezing. His toes were so cold. And I was like, "Well, you should get yourself some insulated waders like mine." And then I was like, "But hey, check this out." Because I'm nice and toasty in here, and I turned up the uh, the heat right in front of him to rub it in on my heated core from NUMA. That thing is awesome. Pants and a vest. And all you do is charge up a lithium battery, slap that bad boy in there, and you are nice and toasty. And you can find the heated core at NUMAoutdoors.com and get 20% off with my promo code LONESTAR20. I wish I would have got one of those things a long time ago because they are freaking sweet. Uh, With that being said, Let's jump into it with Naomi Hirsch of Sportsman's Alliance. Thanks for being here.
1: Hi. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I like the uh, Hunter Vationist uh, Hunter- sweatshirt. <laughs> there.
1: Yeah, the Hunter Vationist. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a good one. I, I yeah. like that um, hashtag. It means a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, where are you joining us from?
1: So I'm joining from Northern Colorado. Um, I'm on the front range here of Colorado where everything's kind of going down, uh, politically this year. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a fun place to be for sure.
0: And what do you do for sportsman's Alliance?
1: So I am the associate director of communications. So Mm -hmm. along with that comes with all of the social media stuff you see. That's me, um, reaching out and doing some podcasts. That's also me. And they allow me to, um, of course, stay involved in what's going on in different political issues around the state revolving around sportsmen. So I get to do a lot of Colorado stuff while I'm here.
0: Okay. (laughs) Colorado, unfortunately, has been in the crosshairs of wildlife management seemingly nonstop ever since we had the uh, ballot initiative to vote on whether or not to reintroduce wolves that's in the rearview mirror now the first well,
1: <laughs> yeah it actually been... goes back way before that i remember i got involved in 2019 uh-huh. um when they tried to ban bobcat trapping at a commission level in 2019 is kind of what spurred me to get more involved so they've been here for a long time uh we lost our trapping in the year i was born 1996 couldn't mm. do anything about that one <laughs> yeah. but um and lost our spring bear hunting um around that time too so it's been in Colorado unfortunately for a long time
0: oh yeah for sure um <laughs> yeah because I've hunted uh lions in Colorado and it's funny because the guy that I was hunting with Wayne Pinnell his hounds were trained not to go after bears but his buddy from utah that came right across the border to hunt with us his dogs would go nuts over bears
1: because yeah legal
0: (laughs) legal there right yeah yeah
1: yeah that can Uh, get tricky our dogs usually the seasons coincide when there's the bears aren't really around too much so our dogs um i guess i should say i'm a houndsman as well been doing it for a while um and our dogs just run lions and bobcats but we haven't crossed that bear track yet. I don't know how we haven't in, in all our travels, but we're not sure what they would do.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that was the April season that I was hunting. So oh, the bear, okay. The bears yeah. Out. Uh, yep. Yeah, they were <laughs> out of hibernation. um But yeah, so you actually run hounds. What kind of hounds do you have?
1: Oh gosh. Um, I have what I call my pack of rejects, um, <laughs> is cause we got handed a couple of hounds. I always say the best dogs fall in your lap. And, mm-hmm. um, most of ours, we don't even really know where they came from. Um, and we're just handed down from owners that either couldn't handle them or thought they wanted to get started in hounds and then decided not to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I've got a blue tick mutt, um, a red tick mutt, a catahoula that we got actually for a cow dog. And she decided that she wanted to chase cats, not cows. Um, a plot and a couple walkers. So okay. um got quite the mix. <laughs> well,
0: the guy that I hunted with, Wayne, he has done this for 30 years. And he's like, yeah, I really just breed my best dog to my best dog, regardless of what they look yeah. like or, or what, you know. You know, this one might look like a uh, um black and tan and it's been bred to a blue tick that was bred to a walker and you know it's
1: there's different ways to do it. Some guys do, yeah, best dog to best dog, and others are really um wanting to keep those lines and I, I think both are important and both mm-hmm. are houndsmen. So
0: I asked Wayne one time what he would sell. He had this um blue tick bitch named Mickey. And uh, that's what she looked like. I'm sure she was not a full-blooded blue. None of his dogs were <laughs> for pure, purebred. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I asked him how much it would take for someone to buy that dog from him. And he's not a you know extremely wealthy guy. He's a houndsman that dabbles in some oil rig repair. And I was shocked when he told me that he wouldn't take fifty thousand dollars for that dog. He's like she has the best nose, yes. and all of my other best dogs are out of her i was like wow 50 grand for a dog and, and thinking like and no, knowing what his he wasn't destitute you know they lived a very comfortable life but i was like that's yeah. a lot of money um he's like yeah but she's she's the best that i've ever had in 30 years He's like i just wouldn't do it i was like wow um so yeah. I'm,
1: I'm kind of surprised he gave me a number even though it was that you know like un, unthinkable number because i mean ask me a number on any of my dogs and i couldn't give one to you i know there's more um houndsmen out there that are willing and kind of do yeah. the buy and sell and trade thing but i just can't <laughs> yeah, <They're mine>. yeah.
0: <laughs> i spent the better part of three weeks with him over three trips uh in april the spring season and then i did twice in uh, december and we would yeah. catch females or, or the, the dry ground trip it like the weather didn't cooperate it sleeted or snowed but it was unseasonably cold in in april mm-hmm. and um we got on ran a couple tracks and and ultimately never got to the tree um yeah the, the next time i think we caught three females in the snow and he knew before he yeah. put the dogs out like this is going to be a female but at least you'll get to see what it is yeah because uh, he didn't want to kill yeah. a female and no he had in 30 years he killed one cat himself and it was proudly displayed in their living room but he's never yeah. other another mountain lion
1: So that's how my dad is. He got a plot dog um, and started himself, which is actually kind of rare nowadays, you know, and getting your own one dog and deciding to try to turn it into a cat dog and started running bobcats and stuff with it. And then got a few more, got into lion running. And that dog's 11 years old now. He still goes with us, but my dad's never killed a lion. And simply because if he doesn't have that active tag in his pocket, he can't set his dogs out. So he'd rather run the next day. He said, he always tells us I'll kill a lion on the last day of the last, last season, you know, last day of season, if mm-hmm. I'm going to kill one, because if I can hunt tomorrow, I'd rather do that. <laughs>
0: <Right>. And that's <laughs> so, the thing I don't think people understand is the, this isn't the, the real houndsmen are, are not out there killing indiscriminately legally. They can't even if they wanted to, mm-hmm. um, and they do it just for the love of the dogs, I think, yeah. by and large.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, it's really good to see um, dogs watch a cat drop from a tree, you know, and then they kind of start connecting with the dots and what's happening. Mm. Um, so I have taken a lion, and that was a really good one to take out of the population. It ended up being pretty beat up and stuff. It's um, quarters were all infected from some injuries and mm. It's, it was kind of a fun story because we thought the track was too old, but it was injured. So it wasn't, and it didn't end up being that bad, but, um, of a run and it, yeah, just the whole, everything that goes into it is really amazing. Once you actually take that step, like you have to actually go, you start seeing what it's all about.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, and I, you know, I just uh, I love hunting dogs. It doesn't matter what breed or what we're pursuing. I,
1: yeah, I a duck
0: dog have had one for twenty years. Uh, I like going in Texas. We go hog dogging with some of the same breeds that you guys use for like Catahoula. That's like yeah, especially the like, Catahoula.
1: That's, yeah, yeah that's like right <laughs> in our
0: wheelhouse for for pig dogs. Hounds
1: are hounds are fun. They're unique too because I like to tell people that own like um, bird dogs or they do a lot of like closer dog work. I'm like, your dog gets to listen to you. You know, my dog is two miles away and has to make decisions for himself, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in the mountains. Um, And I'm not saying one's better than the other. You know, they're just a different relationship. But like, there's more times than not that I can't even get them on a GPS. I'm driving around trying to pick them up, you know, so they're on his own. Um, And they're making those decisions to please what you want to see from them for miles away from where you are. And it's a really neat relationship.
0: Yeah. You're actually listening to your dogs. um, Yeah. (laughs) My dog's listening to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But there's my dad and I always say, and my husband, you know, as soon as you trust your dog though, you know, you make that one slip and you trust your dog and he's on a moose or something like that. You know, you Uh gotta, you gotta be uh, careful about that. You can't, there's that. As soon as you say, my dog would never, that's the mm-hmm. next thing he does. So <laughs> oh, yeah. there's
0: that. All right, Naomi, let's take a break here. We'll come back and continue the conversation and, and get into what I believe to be some devastating news from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Uh, that segment brought to you by the Stealth Cam Deceptor cellular camera. You can find it and their entire lineup of cell cams right there at StealthCam.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And sick of fans building the brands and all the traveling trophies and water stands and all the haters wishing they was in my band. Sorry, boys, my bus is plum Mercury. Experience a new world after dark with Armasite's night vision and thermal optics. Precision meets adventure. Whether you're a hunter or explorer, make the night yours. Upgrade your vision now by visiting Armosight.com for more information Can't dry your tears on the telephone. There's the first ever Whiskey Myers tune I heard on the radio. Lonely East Texas. Nice. That one goes back a ways. Cable Smith here. Thank you for tuning in to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. We're still talking Colorado conservation, mountain lions, hounds, and a whole lot more with Sportsman's Alliance's Naomi Hirsch, and we'll jump back into that in just a sec. This segment. Brought to you by Vortex Optics and the Bantam HD 6.5x32 Youth Binocular. The first ever bino designed by Vortex specifically for the younger hunter. Uh, Frankie and Stella, the twins, absolutely love theirs. Actually, Vortex had to send another one because they were fighting over the dang thing. Didn't want to take turns. Don't want to share. I don't blame them. Uh, The Bantam HD comes with that lifetime transferable warranty. So your kid drops it out of the blind boom, you got a problem. No, no, you don't. Vortex takes care of it. No questions asked. You can find the Bantam HD at vortexoptics.com. All right, let's get back into it with Naomi Hirsch. And you know, before the break, we were talking about some of our uh, specific experiences chasing cats in Colorado. I I ended up killing a female, which we didn't want to do and not something that Wayne does regularly. But we, um, for the first time on on that third trip, we were hunting private ground for the first time and uh this uh, rancher had lost two foals to a mountain lion and he was yeah. like, well whatever the deal is whatever you catch I need it gone because it's killing my livestock. So it, it ended up being a female and it was very close to the ranch house and where the lot and we found a uh a cow elk kill and Yeah. We were, we were on um horseback and just kind of I like, what is it called free <laughs> casting, the dogs just doing their thing. Yeah. Um, i mean they they had that cat treat in you know 30 minutes it was a really short run. yeah and wait yeah, me I mean, and he goes you kill it or i kill it and he's like and you know i've only killed one i don't want to kill it because then you've still got to yeah. go kill another one and what's then then we have to kill two lions you know everybody wants a big male so yeah after, <laughs> after three weeks i was like you know in three trips i was like i think we've done our uh we've paid our dues here and yeah we did it on dry ground in December, which the whole point of why I wanted to go in April was I didn't want to do it in the snow. I wanted to see the dogs shine. Yeah. They do their thing. And and also the houndsmen, not anybody can just run a dry ground track. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that, um, aspect of, Livestock safety too. That that's huge, and your um private property owner relationship there as well. Like that's that's something that houndsmen um get to actually provide uh for people. You know, like not only researching and um like research opportunities for biologists, but if there is a problem cat, who do you call? Mm -hmm. You know, you call your houndsmen. So yeah, that sounds like a pretty pretty cool hunt.
0: Yeah. Why it it. Like i said not not what i would have preferred and i and i, yeah. I said at the time like i don't think i'll kill another mountain lion but i'm i want to go get a There's big something mount, about so. that big tom
1: that's all roughed up you know like <laughs> I still
0: want. Um, so my... i had the taxidermist had that pelt for three years and yeah uh, i find and i finally just told him don't mount that one just give me the the pelt because i want a, i want a big male so yeah uh, well the, there you go cool. the allure of chasing The hounds through the mountains is is calling me back i want to do
1: good good (laughs) it gets you it it definitely creeps in and then watch out though because all of a sudden you'll be owning you'll be moving somewhere with snow and owning hounds
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you recently attended a uh colorado parks and wildlife commission meeting yeah and one of the um points of discussion was closing the april season yeah, uh, And then the use of electronic calls. So yeah. when did you first hear that this was, you know, a possibility and what was so your the, initial reaction?
1: Yeah, it actually goes back for me. It goes back to the previous year um, because we had an open lion season in April here. And it, uh, so it gets a little complicated. A little background information is our tag in Colorado. There is a break between April and April and the end of November. But it's the same tag for April through the next year. So March 31st is actually when all of our tags roll over. Uh-huh. So it's that way for all of your licenses. So if you get a fishing license, it's good from April 1st, 2024 to March 31st, 2025. So that's just the natural break. Um, so when you buy an April tag, If you use it in April, you can't hunt all winter. So most of your houndsmen won't kill a cat in April because they want to be able to use their tag um, or to run their dogs, because you have to have a tag all winter. So we did have an open April season in my unit for um, the majority, well, yeah, since I was like 16. So since I started really running hounds. So I was used to my April season. So last year um, I was all excited to go in April and my game warden was like, you're not running in April your your April season's down oh. and I was like, what? So I dove into it. I was like, I didn't know that could happen. What is going on And this is last year, not this year
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> So I called actually our carnivore um, state biologist our carnivore program manager and he's awesome. he'll talk to anybody. And he's like, so the history of the April season is it was brought in as a floater. The management plan for cats is set. And if you don't reach your management goals, then that April season becomes available for an extra opportunity to harvest, to reach those management goals. And what had happened in our unit is we had actually been meeting those management goals without the April season. Uh-huh. So our April season got shut down because we didn't need it and it was always meant as a floater. So that was last year <laughs> uh this year, and actually a bunch of other April seasons went with it last year as well. This year, there's only a couple still left open mm-hmm. um and CPW looked at it from a management perspective again and said, well, there's only very few management units open with this and very few cats killed with this at this point and that's what took away our April season so as a houndsman it really put us between a rock and a rock and a hard place because we're staring we're staring down the barrel of a ballot initiative potentially getting rid of all of our mountain lion and bobcat hunting so as houndsmen, we like to tell the public um, and we have to tell the public and we do believe that these cats need to be managed on a science-based management. Mm-hmm. So meaning um, your research is what dictates how many cats and where and when and all of that. So when CPW comes out with a management decision based on their science data that they have, it's very hard for us to be like, you know you you yeah, gotta you gotta keep you gotta yeah, keep you your, have to
0: be consistent and i always you have to be you know, consistent. I, and i was pissed really really angry when i saw this um yeah. i saw that some like uh coloradans for responsible wildlife management were like eh, this mm-hmm. isn't so bad you know i saw him i think his name's dan I think he's gonna come on the show in the near future but i saw yeah. him on the howl uh podcast with charles I was like, "What? Why are we? Why are we celebrating this?" I'm now I'm fighting mad, and I'm calling Charles. I'm like, "Why in the hell are you posting this crap?" <laughs> and uh, yeah. and so, if it, if the science dictates it, then so be it. But what about the units well, where there were still people catching cats? And right? it Was uh, I because the guy? Yeah. One of the guys that commented on that Instagram post that Charles made, he messaged me. He's like, "I'm the houndsman that caught the two cats in that unit." Mm-hmm. And I saw that
1: me. comment. Yeah. And, um, I guess just to keep it backed up a little bit and then we'll go forward into that. Um, you know, like I remember that game warden telling me, cause I didn't catch it. I, I didn't see it. And it was like April 1st. And I'm like, I'm going lion hunting tomorrow. Yeah. And he's like, no, you're not. And my heart just sank. So like, I get like, I'm sure the look I gave him was just like traumatic. <laughs> I get the opportunity lost. It's, it's yeah. not good. And, um, same with the electronic calls thing, but like the commission that we have in Colorado, and the commission saying in like Washington, do you really think they give two flying you know whats about our opportunity? No, you know we
0: don't.
1: um, exactly. so so we got to stay on that science based management and to to that guy um and to all the other houndsmen out there that are saying, logical things like, well, if they made it a separate season, it would have been used correctly and you would have killed more cats in April or bringing all these potential solutions. Where were you at the commission meeting? I mean, where were you 10 years ago when this was put into place to say, hey, this isn't going to work the way that you intended to, because here's why. So that's what I'm really thinking about this as is We were in the room this time, and they're amping up their um, mountain lion management plans. They're doing an East Slope plan coming up here soon. And I'm trying to turn it into, we need to be present in those plans. Because if something like this April tag comes up again, because it might, it's still in the hands of CPW. So if they think they need an April season, we can tell them like, hey, it didn't work last time because us as hounds your licensing system cat. is flawed exactly so we can actually have a say in those things mm. and we weren't there so to the guys that ran that april season and loved it and i mean my dad even said he's like um if i would have known that i was going to lose my april season because we weren't killing cats maybe I would have helped kill a cat or two, you know, like taken yeah. someone along and used that as a management tool. Um, my husband killed his lion. That's a picture of it. Um, <laughs> he, he killed his lion um, in the April season. So it, it's not like it wasn't used. And there's a lot of miscommunication that went on and the houndsmen just weren't present. So that's my take on it. We need to get more involved um people that know that's a fatal
0: flaw among houndsmen like they (laughs) yeah i'm serious like we saw and i don't know if it would have mattered in california uh when they lost their bear and bobcat uh, hunting with hounds because of just the mindset of california and how it is yeah uh, politically but you know they i don't think they did a good job of uniting um yeah and they lost it in i think 2012 but mm-hmm. now you see california mindset in you know rearing its ugly head in colorado wildlife management and that's uh that's a very frightening thing not just for colorado but for the domino effect across the west if colorado falls forget it new mexico bye <laughs> yeah bye, <New> mexico, <laughs> no you're right here. you're you're your head's on the chopping block you think new yeah. mexico is going to keep mountain line hunting if big brother colorado arizona says,
1: too
0: yeah we're yeah and so that's People ask me like why do you care so much about these things? So it starts with cougars. Where does it where does it end? And the answer yeah, is it doesn't until they've banned hunting completely.
1: Exactly. You can see it happening in Washington, you know, they're starting mm-hmm. to limit tags because they have a healthy amount of predators. You know, we don't need to. God, I feel um, bad for happy... Brian Lynn.
0: Like <laughs> Brian's know. been on the show a bunch of times and, and I'm like, how do you still live there, man? Like,
1: I know, man. I swear sometimes I got hired because I'm in Colorado, you know, yeah. so just to keep up on that stuff. Yeah. But um yeah, and and just like being at that commission meeting and, um you know, we're told to list to be wary of headlines all the time, right? Because they're catchy. And all of these headlines came out and they got some people riled up and it's not about what the headlines said it was about, you know, Um, the headlines in the Denver post and that type of thing saying that, oh, CPW is actively taking lion hunting away, like, because this is coming and like that type of stuff. When you're sitting in the commission meeting and listening to our carnivore program manager for the state, just praise hounds for one. his (laughs) His <laughs> name's Mark Vieira
0: and I did you sent me yeah. the YouTube link and I actually did mm-hmm. I didn't watch the entire nine hour meeting, but oh. where you said tune in at this point <laughs> I, I watched his presentation. He did a very good job. And and yes, he did yeah. paint Houndsman in a positive light and he gave the statistics. I don't remember. I think there's like five thousand estimated mountain lions in Colorado-ish. And there's like yeah, <laughs> four or five hundred uh that are taken annually.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like to hear him say outside of the meeting, like catch me in the hallway. And he said, I will die on the hound hunting hill. (laughs) Mm. He's like, we can disagree. We can agree to disagree about April season and the administrative work that goes behind April. But he's like, I will die on the hound hill. And what he meant by that is like they are the management tool. And to hear that from your carnivore biologist, that's pretty cool
0: oh no that's that's awesome but it seems like an uphill battle fighting your worthless anti-hunting uh, governor and we'll continue in that vein after the break that segment brought to you by all seasons feeders and the 600 pound stand and fill no ladders no backing your truck up just stand there and fill the dang feeder should have been done a long time ago it's the stand and fill you can find it at all we'll be right back on the lone star outdoors show on the So Tomng room lights are high and the be is cold out here on the Tokytong. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencecer Central, we have
1: another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door.
0: When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day
1: turnaround time when you use e-forms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started.
0: Getting bound simple things Letting go of material dreams search for quiet in my mind take a minute look up at the stars go for glory on the air guitar step outside find my voice and sing
1: that's the latest from
0: the band of heathens simple things bringing us back on sci's lone star outdoor show presented by mossberg firearms cable smith here with you thanks for dropping by today As we are still visiting with our new friend, Naomi Hirsch of Sportsmen's Alliance. And we'll get back into that conversation in just a sec. This segment, though, is proudly brought to you by Armosite. Experience a new world after dark with Armasight's night vision and thermal optics. Precision meets adventure. Whether you're a hunter or explorer, make the night yours and upgrade your vision now. Visit Armasight.com for more info. Okay, well, let's go ahead and jump back into uh, the conversation with Naomi.
1: I I don't know if you got a chance to read over the little fact sheet, the FAQ sheet that I sent you. Yeah, I did. There's a whole, yeah, there's a whole part in it. Why is hound hunting lions used as a management tool? Mm -hmm. And that's from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And I was in the commission with that vibe, if you will. Don't like that word, but you know, um, and so to hear people really harping on them afterwards about the lion thing was like, oh, just show up, show up and talk to these guys. Like a commissioner stopped me in the hallway too, and he said, Wow, you're you're really as a houndsman, your praises are really being sang. And you can tell it was like somewhat sassy, you know, because our oh. commissioners are. Yeah, appointed by Polis, but I, right. I was able to look at him dead in the eye and said, "Yeah, and we don't take it lightly," you know, and that was <laughs> that was good to mm-hmm. voice and good Governor to hear. Polis.
0: It oh, is that's a, a,
1: a big topic. Um, Total yeah. <laughs> douchebag.
0: And and when they, I, I saw this picture. It was so great. It it put it all into perspective. It was when he was releasing the five wolves from oh it was oregon oregon was because the smart states montana wyoming idaho was like hell no we're not going to give you wolves so you can shoot yourself in the foot but oregon yeah like, choose us we want to help you yeah there's...
1: washington now too there's a yeah. tribe in washington that's giving us more but anyway so yeah so
0: there he is and there's the picture of governor polis opening the, the hatch on the first you know Letting the genie out of the bottle, so to speak, and he's got this big s eating grin on his face, and everyone else from that works with Colorado Parks and Wildlife is not smiling, like they knew no. the, the brevity of what they were doing in that moment. And yeah, it was, they, it was bad.
1: They he's knew dumbass, how. So. they knew how it was going to reflect on the agency as well, no. you know. And um,
0: I tried to get them to comment um, when that was up for about, and they they no. were like, "We can't." Comment and I was like, so there's a gag order. And I've talked about this on the show. And they're like, No, there's no their, their PR lady was like, No, there's no gag order. I said, Then what is your comment? And she goes, We're not commenting. And I said, Oh, so there's a gag order. And she it had to come down from Polish. But <laughs> so then someone did tell mean, me there's a law that they're not allowed to sway exactly. public opinions. But that's stupid because you should be the one swaying public opinion. You're the trained yes. wildlife biologist that we pay to form our wildlife management policy. So how idiotic is that?
1: It's really bad. Um, So just for your listeners, I guess, in Colorado, it's actually written in statute that Colorado Parks and Wildlife cannot have a stance outside of what the governor tells them that stance Mm. is. Mm. So (laughs) um, you'll get emails. I used to work for CPW as well. You know, I thought when I got my full time job, I was like, I made it. And then, (laughs) So we would get emails saying this is the agency stance on this, or there is no stance on this, so you cannot comment. So technically, not a gag order, but until Governor Polis decides what their um, stance is on an issue, they don't have one.
0: Why is he? And... Why is he <laughs> the stance? You like... know,
1: it's how Colorado statute is written. And if we really want to make a difference, and this is what I tell people because they start thinking along these lines, you know, and start putting two to, two together. And they say, so to have sound wildlife management, you have to separate the governor from the Game and Fish Agency. And I'm like, yes. And that's how other states are. Like Wyoming Game and Fish is allowed to have a stance outside of the governor. Um, and there's a couple states around uh, the nation that are. But I mean, really... In Colorado, for one, good luck doing that. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it would be a hard sell, even if we had a Republican governor in, because it is giving away power, right? Right. It's giving away um, something that they could control. So I I think we're stuck with it. And um, it it gets even worse because um, the governor is who appoints the Wildlife Commission. And and I'm not going to put it all on polis, because... It's actually his husband, who's like an outspoken animal rights activist. So um, <laughs> I think it comes from that. And yeah, yeah I, I'm saying all the decisions, yeah, are are polis, but he's busy, you know, he's doing things. And who's running the wildlife show is an outspoken animal rights activist. And who's that? And awesome. um, I try not is that, to is that his, his husband, name. or is that
0: who's the head it's, of the commission? No, it's his husband, okay um, See, I didn't know this. This is interesting
1: yeah i didn't I'm surprised you didn't know that uh-uh. um if you follow his Facebook um he'll be oh his husband's name starts with an m hmm.
0: people
1: hmm. are gonna Marlin. I,
0: I was watching the the youtube me of the commission meeting, and this one guy. For... <laughs> Mountain Lion Coalition had his pronouns in his thing, and I was like, "Nope, not watching. Don't care." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> move right? on past that. That guy, basically, his opinion means diddly squat to me. If you're putting your pronouns there, get the hell out of my way. Yeah, yeah.
1: and my dad made kind of a funny point. He's like, "I thought you weren't allowed to, supposed to like allowed to have props when you're speaking," and I was like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Well, they all have backgrounds of these beautiful mountain lions. Isn't right. that a prop?" Yeah. And I'm like, "That's a good point." <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, um, and, you know, they're all out of state or whatever, and they're just popping into these meetings and really good for the houndsmen for showing up, you know, and being there and a couple other people that weren't from um, UHC, uh, the United Houndsmen in Colorado. Um, There was a couple other sportsmen there as well. Um, I know one particularly struck me because we get to see the political side and we try to play the scientific side and all of that, but this guy just got up and said, hey, like running these cats is a family tradition for me. And it started with like my great grandpa, I'm a sixth generation in Colorado, you know, we homesteaded here and this is what we do. And we have one commissioner left on the commission who's just, bless her heart, her last name is Haskett. And she continuously tries to remind the commission that heritage and tradition are also an argument for keeping these things around you know so um you don't have to know the history of the April season to come down and say why you don't want it to leave mm-hmm. so um I know I kind of went like way off in a <laughs> I like tangent there this. but <laughs> I, mean, I think this is what <laughs> um, makes the
0: conversation even more interesting uh, yeah uh, I details. mean
1: be there you know um even if you feel like you can't speak on things maybe scientifically or whatever, just show up and and don't complain about it afterwards if you didn't show up. You know, write a letter saying that this is what you'd like to see. Email, you know, um I don't like going to Denver. <laughs> I don't like going to Denver in the middle of my life. I don't like going to
0: Austin. Did you know we have <laughs> this group called Texans from Outlines here now. And they are oh, they are trying to sway the mindset of our commission and i went to austin last summer and spoke against them because they want we don't we don't have any regulations on mountain lines in texas none we treat them like coyotes yeah like but like it's you're not you're not going to see these cats right their mountain lions are not coyotes they're so much more reclusive they're not going to get yeah seen unless they want to be seen generally and um mm-hmm. so but they were like super concerned about hey we don't have any management plan and hey guess what we never have had one and By everyone's opinion, and it's not scientifically based, but the general thought is we have way more cats in Texas than we did you know, 30 years ago. Certainly before that, 50, 60 years ago. They keep popping up at more deer feeders, right? I mean, somebody in Canadian just shot a 170-pound one, which is giant for us. And they didn't want to kill the cat. But guess what? That cat had been stockpiling deer. They found his cash, and they're like, the cat's got to go. And What if we yeah. had these morons, Texans for Mount Lions, that got their way and got you know Mount Lion hunting banned? Or this? It starts with we don't want to ban it. We just want seasons and we want strictly enforced quotas. Well, mm-hmm. okay. Well, we know where that leads. You don't. They don't ever. Stop. Yeah. They're never satisfied. So then these people wouldn't have the ability to remove this cat. Um, but yeah, I, I saw. It was really interesting. I've been doing this 15 years that was the first time i ever went and spoke and really saw the money the money trail behind these activist groups because they are so yeah. well funded i mean sierra club was there to talk defenders for wildlife you know all of all of the usual suspects were there in austin speaking with this group texans from Outlands. so well organized yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm kind of confused about how they didn't show up um at the Colorado Commission. And I'm guessing it was because there came campaign manager um for that trophy hunting ballot initiative. I don't know if they were told not to or what. There was one Humane Society person who's pretty much always there. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like the cats, cats aren't trophies, um, campaign manager spoke and um a couple of people online but i'm like where are the it was kind of eerie it was very weird <laughs> wow, um, so you who was their, yeah
0: i think they're playing their their hand close to the vest and that they're, they're maybe. putting all their eggs in the uh you know the november ballot initiative basket maybe so, because that's yeah. that's the thing i mean we we already saw colorado failed when it came to wolf reintroduction and voting barely just barely passed
1: Barely. That gives yeah. me a little bit of hope. I'm like, man, right? that was barely <laughs> within one percent, and yeah, and you got to think, within one percent. I mean, if you can reach just not even one percent of the, these voters, mm-hmm. you know, um. So that's how I'm trying to look at this going forward, and just talking to everyone that I can, um. You know, people at the gas station. Uh, when I went to Denver, the hotel lady checking you in, you know, mm-hmm. Chris Powell was talking to his uh, Uber driver in Denver. So, like, mm-hmm. you just got to keep keep at it.
0: Um, let's see. Who was the SCI Western liaison? I had him on the show recently. Uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, I'm going to tell you.
1: I'm bad with names right now. I'm just getting admittedly um, I'm a little young in this scene.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um uh, i'm trying to find it oh well, uh doesn't matter but he was on and uh he said he said he had uh, a lot of hope and and oh i remember where i was going with this the fact that we were able to get the term trophy taken off of the
1: uh initiative 91 the
0: initiative yes. that, that's a major win for us because trophy yeah, I- is a word that just sparks emotion that's we the reaction trophy
1: hunting. Yeah. yeah what's what's gonna happen with that um because there's also another initiative 101 that mm-hmm. still has trophy in it yeah. um and and they have until like march 24th to come up with another one so the, the one that um it's looking like they'll take is 91 um that just came out a few days ago but um trophy is that- not on that Trophy's not on that. Um, In fact, I have it pulled up. It reads, uh, a change to Colorado revised statutes concerning a prohibition on the hunting of. Um, And the hunting of and the trophy hunting of is a big difference when it comes to fighting it. It really is. But um,
0: yeah, because uh, because, and he had the stats. He said, I think it was 70% of Americans are okay with hunting. But if you put trophy in front of hunting, it drops down to like 20% or something like that. Yeah.
1: But we got to remember that these little wins, we can't just take our, we can't take our foot off the gas at all, right? (laughs) Because everything on their website is still going to say trophy hunting. So, you know, if they get to a person first and they see the word trophy, they're going to associate it anyway, right? Mm. So um, like, yeah, we, and CRWM Um, was actually the organization that put up that money to get those title lawyers to go to the Supreme Court, all of that stuff. Um, They put up that money to get that changed. And they're a really important organization in this for sure.
0: Yeah. That's Coloradans for uh, responsible wildlife management. Um Yeah. Well, let's knock out our last break here. Naomi will come back and uh, finish up this conversation. A lot more to discuss for sure. That segment of the show brought to you by Trigger Time Kennels in Bottom, Texas. Uh, that's where I got JoJo and Rusty Hagland also trained her. She's turned into a fine hunting dog. Uh, they've got litters available. I think the puppies are uh, set to come home in March. Chocolate, yellow, and uh, black. Two different litters of Champion Bloodlines. For more info, uh, give Rusty a call. You can find him on Facebook or head over to uh, Trigger Time Kennels on Facebook as well or on Instagram. You can find him there too. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I got dust on my tennis shoes a Couple empty bottles of beer They were called Modelo They were made in Mexico And they were pretty good I will be drinking bourbon whiskey all night long with my friend. William Beckman's Bourbon Whiskey bringing us back me. on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by. This segment brought to you by the Mossberg Patriot Rifle Lineup. Uh, they've got. Synthetic stocks. They've got walnut stocks. If you want something, uh, you know, that looks a little more traditional, they've got everything from a twenty-two to fifty up to a Cape Buffalo killing son of a gun, like a three seventy-five Ruger. That's what I took to Africa. Um, but yeah, something for you, something for the wife, something for the kiddos, something for your girlfriend. Uh, hopefully, you don't have a wife and a girlfriend, but uh, something for everybody in the Patriot lineup. You can find it all right there at Mossberg. Dot com and picking it back up here with naomi hirsch of sportsmen's alliance uh, regarding the unfortunate reality that colorado sportsmen and women find themselves in when it comes to colorado mountain lion management but let's go back to losing the april season just for a second yeah, because, yeah. you know and i said in the comment on the howl post i said well it, we're fighting this fight and it's a death by a thousand paper cuts and now it's 999 paper cuts and it came at it Absolutely terrible time optics wise because the yeah. first thing you're gonna I mean the anti's are just gonna use this as a springboard for their campaign uh to ban all mountain lion hunting with the ballot initiative this November. And so yes. like for us to not fight it uh and say this is not I, okay, I, like that was that pissed me off. And then to lose electronic calls, like now you've taken the the guy that doesn't have hounds. And maybe he's mm-hmm. calling coyotes, but he had he had a mountain lion tag in his pocket. Now he's removed from the equation. Or maybe he just wanted to go see if he could call in a mountain lion. Now he's yeah. completely gone, which to mm-hmm. me it doesn't make any sense. Why that's even a part of this thing? That uh, was
1: also in a very very small area of Colorado as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just so we're on the same page about that, there was only like one taken in a number of years. So but <laughs> that does that was matter? Also...
0: Like, but, but uh, see, that I matter? that's
1: what I. My initial reaction to this was, okay, so if the April season didn't work for your management plan or the electronic calls didn't work for your management plan, then what are you putting in place of it? I can't believe that you're taking these off the table, like your April season and your electronic calls, you're taking those off the table and replacing them with what? Because if you're still looking for that management plan, the problem There's didn't just, just go away. Three <laughs> better
0: than zero if your goal is to remove... X number of cats, and 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 then I I hear all this administrative stuff. Like, okay, well, that makes me think budget, right? I don't give a crap. Uh, You guys, these bureaucrats waste money hand over fist, and they're gonna bitch about a little bit of money that they have to spend on facilitating an April season. Give me a freaking break! I don't care we Don't can all that,
1: theorize yeah. yeah we can all theorize about why um they did it at the timing that they did
0: mm-hmm.
1: my theory because i was there in the commission and getting the vibe of this uh, very pro hunting um so yeah it did confuse me a little bit because i i'm looking at it from your lens really like my opportunities are being like you said mm-hmm. um really 998 paper cuts now right, right. and um but hearing this very pro houndsman, pro hunting voice from the people that are doing this, and my theory, and what from what I've heard is that they were, and it didn't happen this way through the media, but they're like, look, we are actively managing these lions. We can manipulate these laws and how they're hunted, and we are doing that job as CPW, and I think that's how they projected um, in the meeting, and I think that's how they wanted to come across. And it's not how they came across um, uh, to the public that wasn't at that meeting. So he was also quick to say that this is still in the hands of CPW. It can be put back in um, your commissioners right now. It's arguable that maybe in a few years they won't be because they're polis appointees, but they're very likely to listen to Colorado state biologists' suggestions so if we were to suggest that the April season needs to be put back and Mark Vera comes up and says that it's a very strong possibility that that would happen.
0: We, um, I mean, I'm going to just say like history shows that when we lose something, we don't usually get it back. And when it
1: Yeah. But housing. this wasn't lost through a ballot measure. This wasn't lost through um, state legislature. Yeah. Um, this was a suggestion by your biologists. And if, a suggestion were to happen for more opportunity to hit a management goal it's likely it would be listened to as well,
0: well um who, who screams the loudest is who gets listened to and it's the anti-hunters that scream the loudest and you, if if they've got mm-hmm. wind oh they're gonna put the april season back oh my gosh the blowback would be colorado parks and lot La- pa- parks and wildlife would probably be like that's just a headache we don't want i mean that's just there's, some, there's some argument
1: to be made opinion, for that right? for sure um yeah and and we got to remember also, like I said, I got involved um, with this when my April season was lost last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this was just a this year, all of a sudden in the wake of this ballot measure thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how it's being portrayed. Um, really, my view of it now is it's it's over with and we got to be happy that we have biologists that put this like faq sheet out that are talking so highly about what we do and we got to be more involved and there's talk about that eastern slope plan well let's be there and help them build it and let's make sure that it's actually kind of likely that that east slope management plan is going to up our quotas because that hasn't been um revised in 20 years And it's running off of data that shows a very low lion density. So if that does up our quotas, well, we can play a part in telling CPW, like, well, that's not going to work from a houndsman perspective, or this will, or, you know, we can do that. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm very forward projecting, Um, (laughs) but it's what we got to do now. And We got to stay on the side of science-based management, because if we come out and say as houndsmen or any lion hunter or any predator hunter, a trapper for the bobcats, if we come out and say something against Colorado Parks and Wildlife, we are asking the public that is voting on a ballot measure to keep the management in the hands of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Yeah. So we have to be very careful in what we say.
0: Yeah um
1: we can't talk out of both sides of our mouths and say cpw just doesn't know what they're doing this needs to stay in the hands of cpw it it doesn't work and i'm not a very good politician so i'm not comfortable with saying both things (laughs) um and that's where i'm stuck and it Mm -hmm. is a rock and a hard place but we'll, we'll get through it
0: well we will if we win the ballot initiative If not, which we will screwed,
1: (laughs) we will. Yeah. And then I'm looking at different states. Yeah. How many Um, (laughs) Texans do you know
0: that have actually participated in that April season? And that's probably also why when I saw that, I was like, man, I did that. It's very personal. 12 days of my life in that moment. Yeah. And it was special. And then I see that it's gone and I'm just like, what the hell's going on?
1: Um, Yeah. That was, I mean, I felt that last year. And, Kids um, are you,
0: but the other thing that needs to be pointed out is that you, now you can't run your dogs in April at all.
1: No, um, no, you can't. So, us as houndsmen, yeah, you saw Cody Loster at that commission um, kind of speak to that as well. And that's things that we need to start doing because the commissioners, you really think that they know that a hound isn't, isn't just. Born like that. Like, you right. think they know that we have to train it? <laughs> so, I mean, my it's lab came out to... of the
0: womb taking hand signals.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, it's uh-huh. up to us to be there to tell them that these things um, take time and that these things need to happen. Unfortunately, that's just the way things are going. We need to actually tell our biologists that, too. Um, and it's just, and thank goodness that a lot of them are really in it for. biology and the animals that they're handling to be able to turn to trappers and turn to houndsmen and ask them for help and start like realizing what's involved um we we need to do a better job of that as a predator hunting community for sure
0: well we will continue to monitor the situation um (laughs) like like i said it seemed like the optics bad timing if the Antis oh, can yeah. celebrate it as a victory and this crucial I would say this is the most important um wildlife management situation since the wolf battle bow- I mean across the United States. For me, this is the biggest yeah. one I've seen in the last well, since the, the wolf vote, but uh because yeah. I think the precedent oh my gosh, if 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 we lose, which we won't, optimism, uh then yes. <laughs> we'll just we'll just watch the other Other states follow suit. Um, Switching gears, what's uh, the most amazing thing you've seen one of your hounds do on the hunt?
1: I wasn't there, but my um, dad and my husband and my sister talk about this every time we see this rock. It's like a 30 foot cliff, Mm -hmm. and that dog just, um, all the other dogs went around. You know, that cat went up and that dog went vertical, and they said they were all just sitting there, you know, able to watch it, which is kind of rare because it was close enough to the road at that point. And they're just rooting for him when they get it when it gets to the top of that cliff, you know, like you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. <laughs> and, and it finally gets to the top. So just speaking to certain dogs' agility, you know, um, the smartest thing I've seen is probably um, we have two dogs that kind of compete with each other. And it makes it a pain in the butt when you're out running because our one dog doesn't like, following the other, and vice versa. They are both think of themselves as lead dog, and um, so somehow when you get out, I don't know how it happens, but our, my, my rum dog, his name is Rum, Hiram, he always finds another track that's just as fresh, and you always end up with almost a two-cat day, so <laughs> just, man, they're different how they work together as a pack, even the slow dog, like the slow, we have a 14 year old Walker and she, she goes along, you know, like barking, um, like half a mile an hour. Well, those cats sometimes they'll jump down and they'll try to backtrack to confuse the dogs. Well, guess who they run into Uh that old 14 year old Walker. (laughs) Uh So, oh, there's just so much.
0: Um, wayne had some dogs he called them union dogs he was like eh, they're not they're not bad enough to get rid of but <laughs> yeah. really they don't do anything until the strike dogs fu- are on the trail and then they start barking and then they like, yep because other than that he's like they just kind of just ride by the horses and just are lazy so once they we have one of those <laughs> the union dog um I, yeah. I, the first when we first went on that uh, april trip i experienced something that i was like wow this is this is insane. And it was, uh, we're hunting in a real rocky part of uh, Northwest Colorado, red dirt and um, Bobcat country. And they got on a Bobcat track and Wayne was like, damn it. And I was like, what? He goes, they're going to get ledged up. And and, and they did. Yeah. And two of the dogs, yeah. we had to get, I, I didn't, he didn't let me, the, the client, <laughs> the hunter participate in rappelling down to get them. But I was there. Climbing, I said Videoed it. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And, we uh, have
1: climbing equipment in our truck, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was, it was um gnarly.
1: Yeah, and the Catahoula, she's, she's special too because she doesn't have as good of a nose as the other dogs, but she's important because if she sounds off on a track that we start on, we're like, oh, yeah, mm. this one we're going to catch because she doesn't have, like, the nose that the other ones have, so if she's really excited about it, we're like, oh, hell, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they all have their – Our union dog, you'd call him a union dog, but when he gets to the tree, he's the best tree dog we have. So he will not leave that tree. Whereas the other ones, um, most of the time they stay. They know their job, but they're not as predictable as that one that might not be the lead, but he will not leave. So it's, they're all so different and so cool.
0: (laughs) Have you ever had one get seriously hurt by a cat?
1: Unfortunately, so we have one blue tick, um, he was awesome for bobcats because he would be quiet. He was a silent runner mm. and he Are wouldn't bobcats harder
0: to tree than a lion.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Um, they don't smell as much. Uh, they're, uh, craftier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're rock- really, I, uh,
0: did I say that he called them a rock eating son of a bitch? That's what he called the bobcats.
1: Yeah, they'll go underground on you. They'll go underground on you more than you find them in a tree, and it's really frustrating (laughs) because you just know you're standing on top of them in a boulder field, and you're just like, "Son." Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, a silent dog is really good for them because they don't know that they're behind them until it's too late, and they tend to tree faster instead of running further. Um, So this bobcat dog silent until he was up and in front of the cat, and We found a really fresh lion track, and um, he was, you know, a lead dog, a really good dog, so he got out in front and got to that lion first, and he bayed, and his first bay went to kayaking. like, he was like, you know, (laughs) and we're like, oh, so we run up there, and as far as we could tell, that lion had actually bedded down underneath a log, and that blue tick creed came up to that lion and bait in its face and got slapped um Hmm. so i don't think it was necessarily a mean cat but (laughs) what ended up happening to that dog is he got a that last pinky toe if you will of the lion went into his ear ruptured his eardrum um knocked him silly and they say it either knocks the sense right into him or right out of him um and unfortunately it knocked it right out at it, creed and i think a lot of it's like scar tissue because the poor dog you can call him from 100 yards away and he'll go the other direction
0: oh. because
1: <laughs> and it just i mean we still have him he's a lawn ornament but you know like the joy yeah. that we got from him we can give him a good good last few years you yeah. know uh-huh. but and so then you never we had him get d- killed though no, we had a dog get um actually three dogs get into a fight with a bobcat once on the ground. That was interesting. There's trees everywhere. Nice mm-hmm. big ponderosas. That cat decided to fight. Um, that was we got some scar tissue up dogs from that too because you know just getting
0: they killed an the ankle...
1: They did. Yeah. Everyone. Um. But yeah, <laughs> getting like an ankle joint or something like that. Yeah. Um. So. Thankfully, knock on wood, we haven't had the haul any dogs out, but there's been a few tussles.
0: <laughs> Wayne told me this one story. They were on a, a track and two dogs found another track and it happened to be a big Tom. And that Tom killed both of them and started eating them when Wayne found them. And he went back, he called his buddy and was like, You have a tag? He was like, I'm fighting mad about this cat. And he was like, He said, That's the only one I ever killed out of spite. Not, he didn't kill it, but his buddy did. It is a you know. That was the easiest track. I mean, he's like, he knew where the dogs, when I mean, he took dogs, they the, the
1: that's pretty common, um, at least around this area. And it sounds like you're hunting pretty close to where I'm at. I'm northwest mm-hmm. of Fort Collins.
0: Yeah. We, we but, were um, where we were,
1: yeah. yeah. But anyway, like, as a houndsman, if you run into a mean cat and it's a dog killer, you're going to put effort into killing that cat, um, mm-hmm. just because of, you know, if it figures out cats are smart, just like the bobcats that run into holes and they get away. Well, that cat knows that, Hey, these dogs didn't get me this time because I did this and it will do it again. So there's some effort put into those, um, those dog killers to get them off the landscape for sure.
0: What about the threat of wolves now on the landscape? (laughs) A lot of, a lot of houndsmen lose, you know, whether it's bears or, or, lion hounds you see the pictures of what wolves do to these dogs and it's it's bad every time
1: we're freaked out um you know we're, it's something that we're gonna have to learn to deal with instead of just um growing up in it with our hounds if you will so like i wrote an article for sportsman's alliance in our last issue i have family and friends out in michigan and the up and it's something that they're dealing out dealing with out there a lot and it's really impeding how much they get to go hunting because yeah. they see a wolf track they think well I mean if there's wolves anywhere close I'm not willing to lose a dog so yeah. they don't run near as much as they used to um so yeah the wolves are right there uh <laughs> and I guess we'll decide what we do when we see that first track when we're out running um mm-hmm a lot of phone calls to people who had done it before and some advice and um, well, f- first we got to save our lion hunting. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's the reality now is, you know, it as, is, as we, as you know, just hope that Colorado, because I think this could be a turning point, right? If, if we win in November, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I think that maybe we're, we keep them at bay for a while. <laughs> I think we, we do lose, too. Forget it. They're gonna keep coming. Yep. Full headed. Yeah, team. I
1: think we push them back a little bit. And I and I think we uh I was talking to you know Chris Powell on Houndsman XP the other day and had to agree with him when he was like, I've never seen such a collaboration of sportsmen and sportsmen's organizations. And I think that's one positive that's already come out of this situation. Um, a lot of people banding together for what we What
0: we know is right. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, Chris Timerson is the SCI Western Liaison for Government Affairs. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know if you know Chris, but I'm sure, like you said, these organizations Mm -hmm. are working together. SCI, Sportsman's Alliance, Howl for Wildlife, uh, Kyle for Responsible Wildlife Management. Uh, They're doing an awesome job. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've seen the uniting you know uh, on this magnitude from different organizations and that's great yeah. to see as a, yep. so well thank you so much for the time yeah, naomi yeah of
1: course thanks again for
0: having me is your is your season over
1: no it's not um i haven't been doing a lot of hunting i'm actually due here in a couple weeks to have our first little baby so um i i have been sitting in the truck and watching my dad and my husband go play with hounds (laughs) so um yeah this this year's a little short on the opportunity for us as we understandable
0: but next year well very cool congratulations (laughs) thanks again for the time yeah, of course. So there she goes. Naomi Hirsch of Sportsmen's Alliance uh, shedding some light on the Colorado Mount Lion situation. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm still fighting mad about it. Uh, I, I just find it wildly poor timing and uh, just a gross misstep of judgment to give the antis this rallying cry. Even if that wasn't the intention, that is, that's the optics of the situation in a time when we can't afford to lose momentum and certainly hand momentum to the other side. I mean, it's just, I think that was uh, a a big misplay by the uh, Colorado large carnivore program leader. I think his name's Mark Vieira. I think he would like to have that one back and have a do over there. But it is too late. The cat's out of the bag, so to speak. (laughs) Um, But anyway, thanks to Naomi for coming on the show today. And if you're not a member of Sportsman's Alliance, I highly recommend that you join this great organization. Uh, they keep their finger squarely on the tab of anti-hunting, trapping, Second Amendment, dog-owning. I mean, you name it. But all that stuff across all 50 states, it's a daunting task, but somebody has to do it. And so we certainly appreciate them. That segment of the show brought to you by John X Safaris and Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Gotta go. Gotta get out of here. Thanks to Naomi. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, Y'all have a great week in the outdoors.
1: Sunday, I'm a church, and then a Saturday disgrace. And I got the nerve to repent. Maybe it's a part of a plan. We something's gonna have to change